Hello and welcome to episode 619 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, December 7th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what is going on, man? Dude, I, you ever like do something a long time ago and you're like, and you remember it's like, man, that wasn't that bad. That was, you know, that was pretty easy and stuff. And, and then you, you do it as you're a little bit older and you go, this wasn't as easy as a I remember it. Man. Harder, yes. Yeah. What uh, what undertaking did you uh, did you find that, that to be more difficult the second time around? Uh, I had a kid eight years later, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right, and she is home. Yes. and the pictures have been fantastic. But uh, yeah, you got a new newborn at the house. That is, uh, I got to imagine running it back, like you said, eight years later is like, oh, I'm different now. Yeah, thankfully, I'm used to not sleeping. Exactly, it's uh, kind of your mo. So it's I'm actually probably getting more sleep than I do when I'm actually working my full time job, which I'm not having to do until like mid January, which is nice. But Very nice. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I I felt like I I probably would be able to get a lot more stuff done than I am, and <laughs> got to figure out how to balance this. It's it's really difficult to write when you're holding a newborn. Oh, I can't even so. fathom. I mean. I, I hold Charlotte sometimes and try to do other things. And I'm like, oh, I almost, I literally almost dropped my dog. Yeah. So uh, got to be even dropping a newborn. Yeah. A little no. bit different, and you can't really one hand the baby quite as much. No. As the, you can a uh, twerpy little puppy. Yeah, the head's too soft. You got to, you got to like, you know, yep. you got to, yeah. you got to protect, protect it, it for a few days before you you drop it on the ground. You're actually charged with protecting and caring for her, so you yeah. you, you got. I, do I don't it. know whose idea this was, but it was not a good one. Seems like you and your wife did not think this out. Yeah, to let to let not. you get involved with it. Her, yes, fully, no, but no, she yeah. can't do it. She's a responsible adult. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm glad she's home. Uh, everything's looking good over there, and uh, keep the pictures coming because she's she's adorable. You did something uh, cool. You you've been doing some cool uh, Twitch stuff. I did, man. Had a really, really, really fun event yesterday. Played with Kansas City Royals Brett Phillips. Uh, he put together this this big event. Uh, basically, so you guys, if you're not super familiar with Twitch, you might have heard about like Ninja and Fortnite and all that. That's kind of like what really brought it into the mainstream. And a lot of athletes are playing Fortnite now. And obviously, throngs of people are playing Fortnite. It has really transcended the video game community. And it's brought a lot of athletes into the Twitch community. And... Brett Phillips happened to be friends with somebody who's big in the MLB community and they linked up, you know, or they're friends and they say, you know what, let's, let's have like an event where Brett plays a bunch of people and he's played MLB before. He said they bring out a player's lounge every spring training that guys can go in there and mess with it a little bit, see their character and all that sort of stuff. So he's played it before, but he's not an MLB player. He streams Fortnite. That's his game. He wanted to take on eight content creators all in one day uh, in a series of seven inning games while using the Royals and himself. And it was just a tremendous event. He actually ended up going three and five. He did not beat me. Mm -hmm. I did beat him. And uh, he let himself off and Matt Boyd domed, domed him first pitch. Yeah, yeah it was, had to do it. I it had was to perfect. Do it. Yeah. And, uh, and then Brett Phillips' character made an error in center field that allowed Miguel Cabrera to get an inside the park homer because if you guys are familiar with Comerica Park center field, if you miss it, 
it rolls for days. And even Miguel Cabrera, of all people, can get an inside the Parker. So I, I had a 2-0 uh, win, uh, a, a game-saving catch from Nicholas Castellanos. I know you guys are saying, this game's unrealistic. Miguel Cabrera's hitting inside the Parkers. Nick Castellanos is making great robbing defensive plays. Runs. Yeah, rob, Listen, yeah. It's just my stick skills, okay? But uh, it, was a, it was an amazing event. And uh, honestly, if you guys want to check it out you actually can go look at the uh the video on demand it's is twitch.tv slash brett phillips uh he just casually facetimed christian yelich in uh in between one of the games and yelich answered and was super cool lance mccullers was just casually hanging out in the chat uh he's mentioned some of the other uh brewers that he played with there's, there's a decent contingent of brewers players who are on Twitch. Um, I know Blake Snell is. Uh, we know David Price and his whole Fortnite thing. So it, it's definitely something that's that's uh, become a big thing. And he wanted to bridge the MLB uh, real-life community with the, the virtual community. So he did a great job with it, and we had an absolute blast. Well, that's really cool, and uh, I, I was glad I was able to tune in for a little bit of it because his laugh is, is amazing. Oh. And, and you I had drew one him. out. Yeah, I you drew, had, drew a couple of them out. So. It was great. Uh, that's amazing. I was actually referring to uh, you did sports trivia on your stream. Oh, I did. I did that as well. With, with, me with your, my, me with, versus my girlfriend. Yeah, how would that turn so, out? I lost. And yeah. uh, the result of that was a face full of makeup. Mm. And I thought I was going to win. Yeah. And I wanted to do, kind of do this the for a living. dumbest makeup uh, possible for her because obviously I don't know what I'm doing. And I thought that it was going to be so epic. Now, obviously, she doesn't have the same sports knowledge as me, so we had we got questions for each other. Uh, she looked a bunch up, and then also solicited some from my Discord uh, for for the Twitch channel. Had great questions. Had really great questions. Some of them were just super tough. Uh, I was struggling, and she whooped me. She whooped me. I mean, I gave her some layups. I'm not even going to say it's on that though, because you can get rid of those three, four layups. I mean, she beat me by five, six points. So it didn't matter. Like I want to uh, when I'm saying layups, I'm like, uh, you know, who won the game when we went to Texas Tech, Texas or Texas Tech? Like I wanted to <laughs> smash it in her in her face that that Texas won. Um, but no, she pulled some uh, out of the uh, out of the air that she didn't really know. She, you know, the uh, who who has LeBron named two of the three teams LeBron James played for. She knew the Lakers because he's obviously in the news a lot. And I thought she would have known the Cavs more so. She didn't, but she eventually just kind of pulled that out. She's like, I'll just, oh, I guess I'll just say Cavaliers. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? And so, uh, yeah, I tried to tailor them to knowledge that she would know, and uh, and she whooped me. So I ended up with a face full of makeup. And you can also check that out on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Sporer. Uh, it's a new handle, so it's just my same as my Twitter now. But, uh, yeah, I, been, I don't have a Twitch uh, channel because I, I still have a PS2. <laughs> It, it's it's really it's really a lot of fun. Um, it, it's been something that I really started just at, completely for fun. Like it just hey let's let's do this. I I didn't even know people did this. This is really fun, and I didn't even really know like there's game categories on Twitch. You click a game, you see everyone that's playing that game. Well, when you stream through your PlayStation, it kind of auto fills the game, but it will include the trademarks. And MLB, the show, uh, has trademarks in it. And Twitch removes those trademarks in the game listing. So the first like few months that I was streaming, I wasn't even showing up under MLB. Nobody would have been able to find me. So if you didn't see it on my Twitch or on my Twitter, excuse me, at like 2 in the morning when I was doing it, you would have never known. So to go from that to a noob who wasn't even you know, uh, putting it in the right category to 
playing against a major leaguer, it's been a lot of fun. So you well, guys should come I've check. Been, uh, out. I've been trying to get my wife to buy me a PS4 because uh, I got so much free time. You know, I can play video games <laughs> with with a infant. I, I learned that That's with true. my eight year old. Um, yes. So if 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 uh, she kind of buckles under the pressure and gets me one for Christmas, uh, you and I'll have some. Uh, uh, that some would be amazing. I will absolutely. I'm a better Madden player than I am. Uh, I, you know what? I'll, I'll play it too, but I'll, and I'll also learn you the ropes of uh, of uh, MLB. You know, I'm I'm always happy to help. So I got no, I got no problem with that. But we got plenty of baseball to talk about. You we talked do. about it being cold in your office. It's cold and rainy here. The hot stove is finally cooking. We were waiting for some shoes to drop. They've really started to come. Uh, you know pretty quickly now it's been a lot more trades than signings but hey i'm i'm actually more fine with that than signings to be quite honest and um you and jason talked about a bunch and we've got a bunch since then so let's just start off at the top with the big paul goldschmidt deal paul goldschmidt out to st louis for luke weaver carson kelly andy young and a compensatory pick um let's talk about goldschmidt to st louis for me it's not a massive difference in his fantasy value but it is a slight uptick he's been going kind of as a firm second rounder does this change that outlook for you my biggest worry when i first saw this trade is that the cardinals don't steal uh they were like 26 in stolen bases uh last year uh, that went up after they fired Matheny, so maybe that's a good sign they were more like middle of the pack uh, other than that, I think it's fine for his value. I uh, probably a better team around him, so uh, maybe an up. You know, he'll be able to kind of support. You know, pretty good runs and RBI numbers. I don't think the power mm -hmm. numbers will be fine. He was fantastic after like mid-May. Yes, he really turned it around. Um, and it was really late May. He really got going and, and finally got back on track at home. He was still better on the road uh, all year. But he finally got going uh, on the road there. For me, I'm more, in terms of the Cardinals side of this, it's interesting to me that they made this deal because they must have some really good faith in uh, Carpenter's health mm -hmm. to move him across the diamond and play third base all season. Uh, Are they going to make a move to open up second base for him? I know Colton Wong has really emerged defensively. And, and, and so... they really put a premium on defense you yeah. know, after Matheny left, like that was a big deal. It was one of the reasons, like you know, Jose Martinez wasn't in the lineup as often. Mm -hmm. Long played a lot more, so you would have to think that they're not gonna move. I mean, Wong was Gold Glove caliber. I don't know who won the Gold Glove at second base this year, but like he was a Gold Glove caliber second baseman uh, in the second half. So like, I can't imagine that they're necessarily not going to want to at least platoon him. So can Carpenter hold up all year at I don't third know. base? And that that becomes, while I think this is a stagnant move in terms of Goldie's value, it may lower Carpenter a little bit for me because I'm 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 worried there's a limited chance that he gets to 600 plate appearances. Are we going to make the same mistake on Carpenter? Yes, again? we are totally going to make the same mistake. Sweet, sweet. I'm <laughs> so psyched. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Cool. And I'll eat crow again on it this year. I, I I wasn't as low as like you and Jason were on Carpenter, but I definitely bought in. I think I only had one share, and luckily it was in a draft and hold, so I didn't actually kinda, drop him or anything. I made the bigger mistake in season, to be honest. During draft season, I just kind of didn't care. I just bypassed him for other players. But then when he started slow, I was like, oh, Jason's shoulder concerns on 
carp are 100% real, uh, red, red alert, get away. And, you know, then, you know, was telling people to, uh, you know, don't don't uh, don't keep him and and cut Justin or cut him for Justin Turner and things of of that nature. And so. I like that tweet, which, which was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so that one. I, I tend to see where you're at with everything on on Goldie, where I think it's going to improve his his counting categories. I think I could really see him. I mean, this just I, I said this. I know it's not like a statistical thing, but he just feels like a Cardinals player, right down to the fact that I could totally see magic. him. You signing the stupid devil magic where they get late twenties, early thirties guys, and you know, kind of get that 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 second wave where you're usually afraid of signing that guy. It ends up working out for them. Um, I, it's I could a totally pretty sick, that. you know, top half of the lineup. I, I know Ross oh, Resource yeah. right now has Dexter Fowler batting second, but I can't imagine that is going to be true. But Carpenter, Goldschmidt, Ozuna. Uh, in, in your, you know, three of your uh, top four hitters is a pretty sick. Still like DeYoung too. G- yeah. Give DeYoung some health and get his price back down. That was the big issue for me last year was price, not based on the fact that I thought he was going to get hurt, but the 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 plate skills were terrible and they weren't much better last year. But uh, really, it was health that that kind of derailed his season. I kind of like where he's at and the prices come down. We'll see what they do. Uh, in right field, there's there's no universe where Jose Martinez sticks on that team, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, Fowler could end up being fourth outfielder if he get the premium left. I mean, the problem with I I know a lot of people are saying like Jose Martinez needs to be traded. He he's needed to be traded since he you know made his major league debut, and they haven't really entertained much trade talks for him. And I don't know that they want Dexter Fowler playing every day in spite of the contract. I'm sure he'll play. You know, fair amount. There's also a lot of injury risk on this team. So, uh, having a guy like Jose Martinez, who while he is really, really awful defensively, he can still play those defensive spots poorly um, and give them a little bit of flexibility. I think there's a chance Jose Martinez stays on this team, uh, which is awful for his fantasy value. Um, so, I, I'm probably out on him unless they do end up trading him. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's completely fair. I'm definitely not going to take him if he does stick there. I do want to see uh, what happens. I, I think you got to get him out of there, though. You talk about they favor defense. Uh, he's absolutely brutal at it. He needs to be in the American League where he can DH at least part time, if not most of the time. I know Jason, speaking of Colette, uh, was screaming for, "Hey, bring him over to Tampa Bay." Uh, they're obviously looking to fill in after uh, moving on from CJ Crone. They do have Jake Bowers, but they do still have a, a spot where they could take on somebody who would be primarily the DH Great there. In Houston or. Uh, yep. You know, there's a, there's a number of locations that could use them. I mean, we did, we'll talk about, you know, filling up uh, of one of those spots, uh, Minnesota uh, signing. Oh, no, we talked about Cron already. So, um, you know, Minnesota would have been a great landing spot for him, too, but I don't think they can use him anymore. The problem is, because he is really looked at as a DH guy, it really limits the amount of places he can go. Exactly. And that's the problem because a lot of teams don't want to use a full time DH either. They like to bounce that around and kind of mix guys in and out. So day off for guys and things like that. Yep. So we'll see what happens with Jose Martinez. I keep an eye on that. Let's talk about the other side here with the Diamondbacks got Luke Weaver, uh, Carson Kelly, catcher Carson Kelly and middle infield prospect Andy Young. And then the compensatory pick that doesn't matter for us in fantasy. Uh, Weaver's obviously coming on a buy low. I I like this return. I, I know our friends over at In This League, if you have not listened to their reaction Charles pod, Welsh and Steve Bogman. P- 
please. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love Chuck. Oh, old Chucky and Steve, my guys. Uh, if you have not listened to it, please. Uh, I love that you guys listen to our pod. Pause it and go download the latest in this league, the reaction to the uh, the trade. It's absolutely hilarious. They do not see it as a good return. Um, that's the fan in them really coming to fruition. You lost your cornerstone piece, your favorite player. I can understand that, but I think once they get clear heads, they might see it a little bit differently, or maybe not. Uh, but for me, Luke Weaver, a guy who had a lot of hype last year, if this trade happens a year ago, you don't get Weaver and Kelly, I don't believe because Weaver's stock would have been much higher that I don't think Kelly would have come along with him. So you get Weaver kind of on a buy low. I still think he's a mid-rotation ceiling uh, with the with the you know hint at possibly being more. When you talk about a ceiling, doesn't mean he has to pan out that I'm saying if he wound up, if, if he found that third pitch that really got going, the slurve ball, as he called it last year, it was really just a, a curve. But if, if Luke Weaver got something to go with his fastball changeup combo and, and it was a quality pitch that he could rely on 15% of the time, I could see him getting his strikeouts up to a 22 to 24% range, continue to you know, limit hits, keep the ball in the yard, and and be somebody who has low threes consistently, which you're talking about a fringe two at that point. As it stands, I like him as a, as a firm mid-rotation sort of guy. Carson Kelly, in the fantasy realm, we'll see. Um, you know, catcher's so barren that he could definitely become something, even if he doesn't really reach too much, uh, reach any heights because catcher's so barren. But he's a he's a defensive catcher, like he's a starting catcher for a decade. It feels like. And then Andy Young is kind of an intriguing. Uh, I talk about Goldie being a, a a prototypical Cardinals guy. This is a prototypical Cardinals prospect where his best position is batter. <laughs> and they kind of finagle him into the middle infield there, uh, like a Paul DeYoung, although Paul DeYoung's defense uh, impressed me when I kind of went through the numbers. I, I don't know. Any Cardinals fans, tweet me if you no, – you... Matt Thompson said he really took a step forward. Uh... Uh, the numbers bore that out, and I had him as, as like a negative there. And But I, I'm thinking like an Alan Craig, like that sort of type where uh, this guy can swing it. He's got pop. And so we'll see what happens with him. He's 24, and he's only reached double A so far, so a little bit more advanced as a college prospect. But he's the third piece, you know? So let's focus on Weaver and Kelly. Let's start with Weaver. What's your outlook on him, both for 19, but then in the future, if you're talking dynasty leagues and whatnot? I know there are a lot of really upset Diamondback fans out there, and I get it. You, you lose the face of your franchise, and... Uh, you know, as a Giants fan, I, I'm preparing to lose one of the faces of our, of our franchise at some point here in the near future uh, in Madison Bumgarner. At the same time, this is kind of the age we live in in terms of guys getting traded with one year left on their deal. You Certainly. don't get the massive returns they used to because the compensation picks are different. You know, a few years ago, you got a first round pick if if your guy turned down a qualifying offer and then went to another team. You You now get... Either, you know, uh, what a B pick, which is like 75 to 80, uh, or you get like a fourth or a fifth round pick, depending on how much the guy signs for. So like holding on to Paul Goldschmidt for the rest of the season and then getting that comp pick wasn't going to bear a ton of fruit for them. So I understand them moving and he's a first baseman while one of the best in the game. There weren't a lot of teams really actively searching for a first baseman. Uh, so I, I understand like why the return isn't like, didn't include Alex Reyes or Gorman or some of these yeah. top end prospects. That being said, if this trade had happened at this time last year, Diamondbacks fans would have been going through the roof over Luke Weaver. 
Luke Weaver was like a top 60 pick in fantasy last year. He was so overrated. It was hilarious. It it was, but at the same time, I think he's underrated. And I think you and I talked about him recently uh, in terms of like, this is a guy that I'm going to be willing to go back uh, in on and and kind of, I, I wasn't willing to pay the price before. But now I will because, and I actually I just did a, a, doing a, a slow auction mock uh, with some of the guys over at Tim McLeod's uh, Facebook group, uh, Baseball Three Sixty Five, um, and I grabbed Luke Weaver in a fifteen team league for you know reserve pitcher spot, and uh, I like the move. Uh, the humidor really helped out those uh, Diamondbacks pitchers last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weaver, while he pitched poorly. He, he pitched better than I think the surface numbers uh, said, and his control is better than he showed. I mean, this was a guy who all throughout the minor leagues showed excellent control uh, and command. So I'm, I'm thinking he'll get those walks under control if, if pitching at chase with the humidor helps the home runs. We're talking about a guy who could probably strike out a batter in inning or, or, or so, keep guys off the base pass and not give up home runs. I think this is a guy that could really surprise people. And uh, this reminds me a lot of like the, the Dansby-Swanson trade, and not just because um, uh, the Diamondbacks were involved in, in apparently getting... Well, that's not going to make anybody feel good well, to say I, that. I think it's people are overreacting to, uh, to, to the situation. And people overreacted to Dansby-Swanson getting traded away because they're like this is a number one prospect um and and Dansby Swanson turned out to be who I said he was which is Dansby Swanson um and I think people are overreacting to uh Luke Weaver being the main piece of this return and like look how bad he was well you say it all time prospect growth isn't linear pitchers sometimes take a little bit longer to develop they have hiccups they go back and forth he's healthy he's shown talent at the major league level before I, mm-hmm. I think this is a really good gamble by the Diamondbacks. and I do, um, too. I think that some people right now, including our friends uh, Bogman and the Welsh, may eat their words a little bit uh, a year from now. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, and, and again, uh, we might be too much in the fantasy realm when judging it because then you talk about Kelly, who is definitely not led by his bat, but he's somebody that I think the defense is, is what makes him so intriguing. The there. defense I, took I, a step back. Uh uh, and this is, again, scouting report from Matt Thompson, who, if you don't know him, a uh, really good prospect guy for my site, uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits. He also has got a site called Prospects Live that um, uh, just started up and is getting a lot of traction. Uh, huge Cardinals homer. Huge Cardinals mm-hmm. homer and hates the Cubs. And he said that he's really struggled with his framing, especially low in the zone. Um, and so maybe they you know, can kind of work with him. Uh, he, he's got to you know, play behind one of the best catchers in, in baseball history. Uh, in terms of defense and, and calling games. So uh, hopefully that, you know, he's learned something, can go to a new organization, kind of turn things around. But I don't think he's one of those guys that – I think he's always going to hit for a decent enough average uh, at the major league level where he's not going to hurt you. And he can take a walk, so which is nice. There, yeah, there might be a bit of, of a bat there. He has kind of a near, strike, near one strikeout-to-walk ratio – uh, in in the minors, particularly in the AAA, 755 plate appearances with a 12% walk, 14% strikeout. Add a little punch there, and all of a sudden you got a little something with Carson Kelly. And if that defense improves, I was unaware that the defense had uh, had regressed last year. So we'll see if he gets that back on track. But you know, I I just think this is a solid move here. Um, you know, maybe you could have gotten just one guy. Uh, and, and gone for Goldie that way. Also, you have to remember, like, it's one year of, of Paul Goldschmidt, and he's a corner guy, and that's just 
Paul Goldschmidt's great. It's not about Paul Goldschmidt. It's about what you're doing, though. Like how, and this was brought up on MLB, which was a great counter to, or not uh, a great coloring of this point. Look what Boston is doing at first base with Mitch Moreland and Steve Pierce. And they're paying like 12 mil combined to get those two to, to beast out. And they're going to hit, you know, 30, 35 homers uh, with a pretty decent slash. You know, uh, especially if they're if they're paired very well, I think Pierce will still get plenty of at bats against righties because he can hit both sides. But Moreland, if you just make sure he never faces lefties, you you can you can finagle first base, and so that's that's another part of it. And it's one year, so good deal here. I thought uh, for for and both it's, sides, it's three three guys that by midseason will be major league regulars too. Yep. Exactly. And, and we'll see what happens with Andy Young. Uh, if he goes to AAA and beasts, he might move some people around there. Right now they've got Cattell Marte, Nick Ahmed in the middle infield. Uh, I know Marte took some steps. Actually, so did Ahmed. Uh, but we'll see what they do. I don't know that uh, either would necessarily be a complete impediment to Andy Young being called up. He will be 25 next year. So if he holds his own at AAA for the first couple months, I think he'll be up and get a shot, even if it's as uh, if he's kind of the bench guy spotting in. All right, let's go to this uh, a stunner here because I think everyone inked in, not penciled in, inked in Patrick Corbin to the Yankees. And then the Phillies kind of got involved and they said, okay, well, it's, it's going to be one of those two for sure. And then in came the Nationals with the Briggs truck. And they put that down and they said, you know what? At the end of the day, the money always wins, doesn't it? Six years, a buck 40, Patrick Corbin is theirs. Um, you know, they continue to look uh, to kind of go the other way of, of the league. And that's OK. I think that not everyone has to do the same thing. And, you know, teams are kind of maybe moving from starters or some teams are right. Depends on your resources and saying, let's let's do stuff like an opener or get guys who are good for five innings and then get to our, our deep pen like the like the Brewers. They're like, you know what? Let's get guys who go six, seven. Bullpen's been a problem for them for years, but they have addressed that as well. They took two reclamations with Trevor Rosenthal and Kyle Barraclaw, uh, both of which I like. I think one of them will pan out. They still have Sean Doolittle. Health's been an issue with him. But that's three pieces that that could be really nice there. I think they should still get one more off of this deep, uh, this deep reliever pool that we have right now. Uh, because you don't know how Rosenthal and Barraclaw will be. You're, again, you're hoping at least one pans out to full fruition. And, and Doolittle's got a lot of injury histories of his own. Exactly. exactly. And so then you'd be looking right back at the Justin Miller, Coda Glovers, and Sammy Solis, all, all that where, where they've been for so many years. So I do think getting one of the premium arms out there, maybe wait till the chips fall so you're not paying the top dollar, um, as you, as they did here while setting the market with Corbin. But I don't, I don't hate this move in that the Nats did it. The the six years, 140, sure, I, I can quibble about that down the line, but we're in a fantasy podcast, so we're really focused on the here and now. 2019, Patrick Corbin in Washington, how do you feel about him? I think it's a, a fairly lateral move for the most part. I think it, the park uh, – you know, in terms of park factors, may hurt him a little bit moving to Washington because, like we mentioned, uh, with uh, with uh, Miller uh, Weaver or sorry Weaver, um, it uh, the the humidor helps, so yeah, th- that 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 may, that may hurt a little bit. Well, but... and they had premium defense too, so that's something to remember with Arizona that could help Weaver. That might hurt Corbin. 
Um, unless it's not like the they've got bad defense though in, in Washington. I well, mean, it, it rated poorly, so we'll see if it improves. But the the Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, um, mix and match second base currently Howie Kendrick and Ryan Zimmerman infield did not rate nearly as well as the the Arizona Diamondbacks infield. So that is something that could uh, hurt Corbin as a as a ground baller. But he added a huge swing and miss component to his game last year and, and netted a 31% strikeout rate. For me, it's all about health. If he's healthy, uh, this is going to turn out well. I think the back end of this deal may be painful, but they did and, and they did backload it. So, if you're a Nationals fan, it may get ugly in a few years, but that was probably going to happen anyways. You know, they they're invested in a lot of pitchers uh, for a lot of money, uh, and <laughs> Strasburg yeah. has got injury history anyway. So does Corbin. Three so major SPs. They're, they're going for Corbin and Strauss. They're going for it. Uh, you know, right now, and uh, ho- and hoping maybe they can uh, you know pull out a championship in the next three years. Uh, yeah, in terms of fantasy, I, I'm I'm not a big Corbin guy. I ate a lot of crow on yeah. it this year. Uh, that's not necessarily going to change for me a ton. I do like the move to Washington because I think they're going to win uh, more games and probably win more games for him. So, uh, and I don't think the park will you know hurt him that uh, much. Uh, so I, th- I think it's fine. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fine, too. Um, you know, looking at, at what he did, I, I am going to have a little peel back for Corbin. Not that his metrics were outlandish, and there was a little question on this in my article about it. Well, you know, you said the BABIP and, and uh, home to fly ball weren't crazy, yet you're predicting a, a pullback. I was like, well, I think that's still prudent just because um, even though he didn't have some gaudy, like, two percent homer to fly ball or some you know 270 or below babbitt is actually 302 babbitt and 11 percent homer like pretty average stuff he still netted a 0.7 homer per nine and a 217 average that's where that defense comes in by the way that 217 average and so i just think it's it's smart to to regress that a bit and i'm kind of agreeing with the uh with the projections right now they marry up well with what i think i was thinking something in the three fives they got at 343 with a 121 whip and a 25% strikeout rate, which is just over a strikeout uh, strikeout per inning there for Patrick Corbin. I think that that's, that's perfectly fair. I've got him at 21. I didn't move him after this. I haven't really moved him. I've kind of moved guys around him. I wouldn't say that I'm like super high on him, and I don't really like guys in year one of a big contract. It doesn't always fail. This is not some foolproof thing where you just avoid them and you're always going to look good. There's plenty of examples, but I do think more often than not, there's a transition year, particularly when you become the man. Now, he's not going to go be the man there because Scherzer's there, but there's still going to be pressure of being a 6-140 guy that you have to live up to after your career year. So for me, it's just a pass. I just don't see myself really taking Corbin unless he falls, and uh, I don't really see that happening in early drafts either. I mean, it was probably the best possible scenario in terms of teams that were going after him in, in terms yes. of you know stadium. It, uh, you know, he didn't end up in Milwaukee. He didn't end up in Philadelphia. He didn't end up with the Yankees. Uh, you know, Washington's probably the best park he would have ended up of of. Of the ones that were considered, yeah. yeah, No, I totally agree there. Um, So, yeah, fine move, lateral move pretty much for Corbin. We'll see if that infield defense can improve and kind of help him stave off too much regression in that batting average. But I would just not put it too – the thing is I wouldn't put a 217 down again if he had stayed with Arizona. So that's where I'm saying even though he didn't have an outlandish Babbitt and home and a fly ball, just put some peel back in there just to be smart coming off a career year. All right, let's talk about uh, a big trade with Seattle. 
this is not a repeat. This is actually in, a, I promise, this is not a repeat episode. Um, I mean, we, we all know about DePoto and his, his, his We're going to have about six more of these before. It, it just it just won't stop. And it maybe, honestly, somebody in this deal could be traded again. I, I'm not even trying to be uh, funny with that. But they made a move, Gene Segura, Juan Nicasio, and James Pazos to Philly for Carlos Santana and J.P. Crawford. Now, uh, Santana is the one who I think could be could be flipped again. Let's start. First off, let's kind of put Nicasio and Pazzo says, I don't think either closes. If you're in a deep league where middle relievers play, you might uh, keep an eye on Nicasio as a bounce back. He was good two years ago and then and then flopped this past year. Uh, Pazos is an interesting lefty. I think he helps them from the you know IRL standpoint but I don't think he has anything you know fantasy viable it'd be I can't even imagine the depth of league you would need to make James Pazos viable but Nicasio holds leagues oh yeah hold actually that's fair yeah that's that's perfectly fair uh Pazos could be especially on a team that's that's looking to contend um but you look at Nicasio from 17 261 ERA 108 whip strikeout per inning in 72 innings if you can recapture that form and you have a league that like values middle infielders just for their strikeouts and, and ratios, he could get back on track. So we put those two guys to the side there. Let's focus on Segura here going out to Philly. Segura is just that, that solid, if unspectacular guy. He's just a good player. And um, the fact that he's had 20-plus stolen bases for six straight seasons definitely makes him somebody in fantasy to pay attention to. Those, those stolen base numbers are dwindling from 33 to 22 to 20 the last three years. Um, and, and the pop, you know, he had that big 20-30 season with Arizona. Two years in Seattle, he combined for 21 in, in over 1,100 plate appearances. But he's going out to Philly, which is another good park. I don't know that he shoots all the way back up to 20, but maybe into the teens. So if you're talking 14 homers, 20 steals, uh, 300 average, and uh, good runs run scored total because he's a pretty good OBP guy too. I like Segura. I think he's solid. I think this is a plus move for him. And I'm, I'm excited about Segura in Philly. Definitely someone I would consider in, in the middle rounds where his, uh, where his draft price is. What do you think about Gene Segura in Philly? I really like Gene Segura in Philly. I think he uh, really wanted out. Um, there, there was that report uh, of someone in his camp saying, uh, when asked if he would waive his uh, no trade clause, he said he'll waive it to any place. He wants to get the hell out of Seattle. <laughs> I did not see that. That's hilarious. Oh yeah, wow. like, it was right before the trade w- was done, and because uh, there were people like, well, Gene Segura's got a no trade clause, and it, I think supposedly him and Robinson Cano were really, really close. And when they uh, traded, was gone. yeah, he he wanted nothing to do with it. So, and plus, it's it's going to get ugly in Seattle, and we, we can talk about that in a second. Um, I he's going to bat towards the top of uh, what is going to be a pretty nice lineup, especially if they can pull in Bryce Harper, uh, which I think they probably will. Uh, you're going to see a lot of runs. I think we could see him kind of steal a few more bags and the power go up. Like you said, I don't know that he necessarily gets back to 20 home runs, but if he could be like a 15-28 guy uh, who hits 300, I think he's – it's interesting because in some places he's been kind of undervalued, and yeah. in some places like I looked at the NFBC ADP, and he's actually – He's at 83. Uh, yeah, it is that that isn't uh, as low as I thought he would be. But um, I know in like my, my two early mocks, he he went a lot lower than like the the Seegers and uh, and you know Glaber Torres is of the world. So see um, that's 
You, you mentioned a name that's interesting to me because Glaber Torres is, is firmly going ahead of him. He's a top 50, or not top 50, he's 53rd um, as an ADP, and Segura down at 83. I think Segura will bump up. Let's put him at his min, which is 66. That's still almost a round later than Glaber Torres. Do you not prefer Segura and a round oh, versus Torres? I prefer, uh, I, I think their ADP should be flip flop. I totally agree there. And so, it's really less against Torres and more for Segura. Yeah, for me, it is something against Torres. But for, I think Segura is one of those guys that uh, is one has gotten forgotten about up in the Pacific Northwest. And I think that sure. happens because the games are on later for the East Coast people. People aren't really necessarily watching Seattle games unless they're playing you know, their home team or they're playing the Astros. Uh, they can kind of get buried in, in the media cycle. Uh, Segura's a good player. And, uh, Just a solid player, yeah. Yeah, and it, he offers you speed and average at a time where those are the two hardest things to get in fantasy. So yep. why not take and a shot like on Segura? Um, one last one here. Let, again, let's put him at the top end of his draft stock because I do think it's going to go up from 83. So let's put it at the 66 min. Do you prefer him or Carlos Correa at 45? I prefer Segura. I do too. I, I, when With the draft cost differences there, and I've been a Carlos Correa backer I uh, for sure, but, get, but give me Segura there uh, on a 20-pick well, discount uh, for Correa, sure. So. Like Correa is not getting the discount that he should considering what he's been doing as of late. I mean, the guy that's, cannot that's stay on the field. And uh, I really thought he, he he's still being pumped up by the prospect pedigree and what we saw in his initial run as a major leaguer. And people are still overpaying for that. And I'd rather take the discount I'm getting on Segura uh, and a number of other guys at the shortstop position. Our topic after transactions is going to be post-hype hitters, and this guy would have been in that list if he wasn't involved in this deal, so we'll kind of get an early start here and talk about J.P. Crawford. Uh, when he was coming up as a prospect, there was definitely some defensive aspect that was moving him up, being being a, a true shortstop, but that wasn't it. Like that, I don't think he was... Uh, being Dansby Swanson to, to call back to a name that we talked about earlier, like he was expected to hit too when he was a uh, multi-time top ten prospect. That shine has worn off a bit, despite just 225 major league plate appearances. Uh, but it's been a 692 OPS in that time. How are you feeling about about a post type JP Crawford in Seattle? Hidden, as you mentioned, with uh, with I would imagine free reign on the shortstop position. <laughs> You know, this is hard for me because I was one of the people that w really didn't understand. Again, this is perfect. You mentioned Danzy Swanson, perfect scenario. G.P. Crawford was a top prospect in baseball. He was a high pick, 16th overall pick. Uh, people thought he would develop power. He had speed. He was going to be a premium defensive player to keep him on the field. But the problem was the fantasy community didn't uh, realize, or a lot of the fantasy community didn't realize, this was always going to be a better real-life player than fantasy player. For sure. Uh, I still think that, I don't think he has a ton of upside. The one thing he is going to have is what you mentioned, playing time. Uh, and so if you're playing in AAL-only league, if you're playing in a really deep format, uh, like kind of, you know, some of the formats I like to play in, Dynasty, uh, I think he is a guy you can take a shot on because I think he could be an accumulator. Okay. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, the hit tool hasn't developed quite to what we thought it might, but I still think he can provide a 250 average 
uh, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, and uh, he's probably going to hit near the top of that awful lineup, um, which is weird to say, but like, who else are they going to put uh, yeah, exactly. there? So uh, I think... They'll make 15 more moves before like, now, too. I, I don't want people though. to think, like, this is a guy who's going to win you your fantasy league, but uh, because he's not. Like, I don't think he is good at all. Uh, at the same time, I think he's probably discounted uh, because people have felt burnt by him by rostering him on their dynasty leagues forever. I will say there's there's no level in the minors where Crawford had an 800 OPS, and that's not like some automatic barometer, but like the the hitting numbers just haven't been there. You know, he's got 20 homers and 13 steals uh, at AAA in a thousand and nine plate appearances, though. That's almost two seasons of work to put up, you know, a season of numbers of of what people were kind of hoping he could be. So um, Crawford's definitely post-type. He's going to be pretty much free. Um, but we got we to gotta see something here. So, yeah, I, I really can't get too excited outside of super deep formats. Maybe take a, a flyer in a 50-round draft and hold where you can kind of bury him if you don't need him because middle infield, uh, having a middle infielder could be nice. But uh, it, it's it's hard Especially to drum up a lot of excitement. you should have dual eligibility, right? You should be third base and shortstop eligible. I believe so, yes. I'm not I, double I checking. Oh, no. Uh, no, 13 games. Just, just missed it. So Justin. yeah, that's unfortunate because um, he, he will, yeah he'll only be playing shortstop in uh, in Seattle. Uh, I don't even know if I would take him in a fifty round draft and hold. Um, I'm I'm even thinking like deeper leagues than that. Uh, AL only in like the the league I just drafted a thirty team league you know league like that type. Uh, there's just no upside. By the way, uh, you say he might be batting at the top of the lineup. Ross Resource doesn't agree. They got him seven. Seven, yeah. With uh, Malik Smith and then the next guy, the other guy they got. Half Carl of those Santana. guys won't be there, though. I mean, well, they they could be flipped, but maybe – I think some of them still will be, though. But they, they got Malik Smith, Carl Santana, Mitch Hanniger, Jay Bruce, Kyle Jay Bruce Seager. and Santana will both be gone. So we'll, we'll see. I think one of them can get traded. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to flip both. Um, Carl Santana – I think he had to get back in the AL. I've always, I've always liked Santana as a player. He definitely, um, he definitely has more value in OBP leagues. But I, I think people take that to mean he only has value in OBP leagues, and I don't agree with that. He did it 229 last year, but that was after back-to-back 259 seasons, which is not bad with uh, 34 and 23 homers respectively. He's pretty good to chip in some steals too. He's, he's pretty consistently had five plus SB or. or a bunch of fives, really. There was an 11. Last year it was just two, though, but that's that's probably Philly. I don't know. Maybe Seattle will let him get back to that five. Those five at first base, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a nice little chip in there, and it certainly adds to his fantasy value. He's a guy who plays all the time, 600-plus plate appearances every year since 2011. Um, I think Santana's a decent rebound candidate. Get him back in the AL where he doesn't have to play defense all the time. I still think he's a solid guy with with pop, and of course, like I said, the OBP really helps. That helps his runs too, though. Of course, even on a even on a poor team, um, I think if he's if he is batting second and he does stay with Seattle, um, that OBP he's going to score some runs. You know, he, every team scores runs. He can score eighty five runs even on a, on a bunk team. So I, I kind of like Santana last year. It, it's incredible. Like he 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 knows he owns the plate. So I like Carlos Santana on a bounce back. Um, as, particularly as a corner, if if we're playing an average league, and I, I, mean, I could especially maybe especially if you're playing an on base percentage league, or I mean even an average league, like 
this is what I talk about with like punting batting average is the variance. I mean, this is a guy who hit 259 in 2016 and 2017, and then he was down to 229. Like he he, those are both the range of outcomes. But I feel safer that he's going to be more like a 240 with a 15% walk rate, uh, which you know makes him a plus in the OBP department. No doubt he's going to be on base 35-plus percent of the time with Carlos Santana. So I like that. Uh, that was a pretty interesting deal there. Let's move on to our next transaction. We're going to have to pick up the pace here if we're going to talk about all these uh, post-hype hitters. Nathan Evaldi re-signed, um, so nothing crazy there about changing teams. What can what are, you, what are you planning for, though? Because right now, innings are probably the biggest concern with him. We saw the stuff. We saw what he could do in the playoffs. I think there will be a playoff tax on him, particularly being still on Boston. Maybe if he'd gone to another team, it wouldn't have been so uh, so big. But I do think there'll be a playoff tax there for Nathan Eovaldi. What are you expecting out of him in a full season with the Red Sox? Uh, 135, 140 innings of like 36370 ERA. Okay. Okay. And if the strikeouts can, uh, you know, stay in the eight plus range, which is uh, like a low 20s percentage, this was actually the first year that, despite the nastiness, the nastiness of the stuff that he's had throughout his career, this was the first over 20% strikeout rate that Nathan Eovaldi's ever had. But he also cut his walks. That cutter that he's found uh, has been an absolute gem for him. I do think he is a different pitcher here. Health is always, always, always a concern. But you can be a really firm fantasy number three. Heck, you can be, if the, if the results are good enough, you can be a good fantasy number two with 135 innings. We've just seen that lately you just need with to like have guys like Rich Hill. Your number one or number two has got to be a 200-inning guy. Exactly, or else you just fall behind in volume. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. I can't really project more than more than 140 innings for Nathan Eovaldi, but I really do like him. It's just going to kind of be based on the draft that I'm in. You know, how, how does the room feel about him? Because I do think he'll have some variance in his price, and I don't want to be paying on the high end, but those rooms where everyone's kind of feeling that way, and then he sneaks down and maybe is closer to uh, his, you know, the late 100s. Okay, he's a 174 ADP right now. I think that'll bump up as the, the winter continues. But if I can get him around that, that, then I'll take a shot. But if it's up at 150 plus... I'm probably backing off on the Evaldi. You think is he staying stagnant in your top 100 ranks? You had him at 36. Yes, because I was actually kind of on the higher end for people. Um, if you, if you it's higher than I would have him. Yeah, so I, I'm going to stick with that. Uh, I'm not really moving him there. I I just it's it's really the innings, but also the strikeouts. We don't even know that the strikeouts will stick. I I, I am confident that they're they're going to hold, but it's no guarantee. So we'll see what he does there. With this stuff, they should. I mean, it, it does. Nasty. He should have had strikeouts for years, but he but he couldn't figure it out. Uh, another quickie: Carlos Carrasco resigns. I'm really less interested about Carrasco because nothing really changes, and more interested in what this means for Kluber or Bauer. Do you think they trade one of them this year? Because they seem to have said we're going with Carrasco. They can't keep all three. They can probably keep a second, but do you think they trade the one that they plan not to keep, whether it's Kluber or Bauer, and trade him this offseason? I think they're going to trade Kluber. I think it's a matter okay. of time. I think they don't want to be holding on to him when the bottom drops out, uh, and I think this is you know the highest his value is probably going to be for a while. Uh, so, yeah, I, th I think they're going to trade him. I I'm just... I, I'm 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 interested to see like what the actual end result of the numbers on his contract are because the numbers that were reported yesterday were he's going to be making between nine 
$12.75 million and $12 million over the next four years. So Carrasco? Like, yeah, like super below. It's a, you know, wow. it's like a... Still really good. Yeah, super, super team-friendly deal. So I wonder if, like, he's got, like, a, a Maeda-type clauses, like, in his contract where sure. he pitches, he, like, gets huge escalators based on how many things he pitches. Because, I mean, the biggest concern about Carrasco is can he stay on the mound? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think this still means that they're going to trade Kluber. They need, they want to cut salary, which doesn't make any sense, but, uh, I think they think yeah. they can do that and still win the division, which they probably can, but then you still have to focus on what, what you can do in the playoffs there. Yeah, Obviously they, they can net a big return for, for Kluber though. So we'll see what they do. Maybe they address their poor outfield and still get a starter back as well. So I, I think they could definitely get to some significant pieces there. So we'll see if they do deal Kluber uh, or Bauer, who says he's open to being traded, is it actually even encourage them to do so. Um, understanding kind of the dynamics and, and economics of the game and saying it's probably in your best interest to trade me now. So uh, you don't usually see that from a player. So we'll see Have what happens. Have you ever been to Cleveland? Cleveland? It's not, not a great place. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> sorry, Cleveland. Suck it. Uh, all right. Jonathan Scope, one of the, uh, I wouldn't say surprise non-tenders, but one of the notable non-tenders has found a home. I think it's a two-year. No, just a one, one year, seven and a one half. One seven. Or one seven. Okay. Yeah. Well, one seven, one seven and a half uh, for Minnesota. So kind of a get right deal. Of course, you know, uh, that never would have happened coming off of 2017 when he was a beast. I don't think it was hard to say that he wasn't going to be that again, but I did not see the bottom completely falling out. Even with the plate skills being uh, having some warning signs to them, he doesn't strike out a ton, though, so the walk rate doesn't really freak me out. He's really kind of a 21% sort of strikeout guy, which is not obscene. And even with the Orioles, he was still only at 20. His season mark bounced up to uh 23% because he was at 31% in his 134 plate appearances with the Brewers. Uh, it doesn't take walks, but he is a power guy. Even last year, the power was still there. He had a 184 ISO. Um, I'm still kind of using 2016 as a gauge for Jonathan Scope, and I don't think he'll cost what somebody who hit 25 homers with 82 ribbies and a 267 average should cost. So I think I'm going to be back in on Jonathan Scope. Hated him as a fifth rounder, like him as pretty much a free pick. Yeah, yeah, I'll take the huge discount. I've always been a Jonathan Scope guy, hurt last year. Uh, but e- even in a really bad uh, season for him, he still hit 21 home runs. So I mm-hmm. mean, he gave you at least some uh, return on your investment. You just had to deal with, uh, you know, the awful average and not getting, you know, close to what he did in counting, uh, counting stats uh, the previous year. I-, I think he'll rebound. It may not be dramatic, but... I don't mind Steamer's line for him, um, or actually the depth charts line for him, which is 25 home runs, a 265 average. I think that's fair. Yeah, uh, that's basically 2016. I, I use that as the guide. I think that's that's the way to go with uh My biggest with concern with this move is here. Let me. I'm going to give you a trivia question because you you, okay. you need to bone so up on your trivia. trivia. Yeah. Uh, how many players? Uh, on the Twins starting lineup for 2019 are projected to have an on-base percentage of 340 or more. Oh my god. 2. 0. I mean, you know, I was going to say 0. I thought it was too easy <laughs> to say that. Not even Sano, just nope. cuz he walks so much. Well, yeah, I he, guess not. Batting like, average is so low. Yeah, he's projected by Steamer to hit 236. So Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
yeah, it's Kepler. I think is uh, the highest projected <laughs> starter wow. in terms of on base percentage at three thirty six. So uh, this is going to be an interesting lineup. Uh, I think it's got a lot of upside, uh, but it's your the the it is a uh, uh, the epitome of risk reward. There's a there's a ton of risk reward in this entire team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's a boomer bust sort of club. This is basically this should be your fantasy team, though, in terms of speculating on average and hoping to spike some. Yeah, I'm going to speculate. I'm going to have a lot of these guys. No doubt. Uh, okay, so next up is Robinson Chirinos out to Houston again. Catcher is, is a is a wasteland, so it doesn't really take much to kind of have some intrigue. And Robinson Chirinos, you know, obviously keeps getting older there. I, I think he's going to be what 30, 35 next year. But, uh, you know, put up 18 and 65 with a couple steals chipped in. The 222 average didn't sting as much at catcher uh, because, you know, they don't put as many plate appearances up. So he wasn't too bad as far as catchers go. Uh, he's going to go out to Houston. He should be the lead guy. We'll see how much Max Stassi takes from him. But this looks like that uh, they're not going to be in on a real Muto deal or get Grandal or Ramos. They're going to piece it together with Chirinos and Stassi, it seems. So what do you think of Robinson Chirinos out in uh, out in Houston? Meh. Like, I'm not, yeah, super, much meh. Yeah, I'm not super enthused by it. Uh, I think Stassi and him will you know, probably share 50-50, which limits their both of their upsides. So it's... Okay. It's kind of a mad move to me. I would have liked to see them, considering the amount of you know pretty good offensive catchers that are available yeah. on the market and the lack of spots that we project uh, you know teams who are competing to uh, be available. I think they could have waited and gotten one of those other guys on a huge discount, which would have been. Great. I thought they were a fit for for one of them, but uh, that looks like they're going this route here. Um, I mean. Unless they don't believe in Stassi, and then they plan to make Chirinos the backup to somebody like a Grandal, but no, I get the feeling Stassi's that they do believe in Stassi. Yeah. So. And so they'd have to flip them um, to kind of figure that out. So no, I think this is what they're going with. Chirinos was 12th on the player Raider last year, so like I said, he's a starting catcher in a 15-team league, but uh, nothing really to write home about if you're waiting on catcher. Go ahead and feel free to put him in. His accounting numbers should go up being on a better club. All right, this is probably the biggest shocker that we're going to have ever. We really got to sit down for this one because this news just doesn't happen a lot. Um, I guess it sounds like I'm making light. I'm really not trying to, but uh, it's not that surprising that Brandon Morrow is is dealing with some some injury issues. That's going to put his uh, opening day in doubt. He did have an elbow surgery. Health has obviously always been an issue. It wasn't a major situation. It was a, a debridement, arthroscopic surgery, which is basically a cleanup of cartilage. Um, that's... I mean, again, this entire career of Brandon Morrow, you, you talk about uh, putting some fairy dust on guys uh, to make sure they never get injured to see what could have been. He's probably a candidate for this era that that people would pick and say, just I would just like to see what could have been. Could he have put up, you know, um, se- seven, eight years as a starter and maybe transitioned into the bullpen? Well, it turned out bullpen is really what's going to have to s- salvage his career here. And he had that that big flourish with the Dodgers last year, 40, uh, 44 innings of, of great work. The skills were still there. The skills really held up, but it ended up being just 31 innings with the Cubs. What do you do with, with Brandon Morrow as far as drafting him as a closer? He can't be your number one. And are you going to spec on somebody else in the Cubs uh, bullpen instead, like a Pedro Strope or Carl Edwards Jr.? Yeah, I'm, I'm not touching 
Uh, <laughs> I'm not touching him at all. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to speculate on Strope. Probably grab Strope as like a third or fourth relief pitcher uh, in as many leagues as I can. Uh, has sh- shown the ability to uh, you know close out games last year. Uh, seems trusted within the organization. Was pretty good. Uh, has been pretty good most of his career. So I think that chances are better than not that Pedro Sto- Strope has more saves in 2019 than Brandon Morrow. Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty fair bet there. And, uh, you know, m- if Morrow can be your spec, if he's actually one of your third or fourth reliever, the way we're talking about with Strope, then sure, go ahead. But I don't know. Someone, uh, someone I, I, will take the gamble. Yeah, I, I think so, too, and it won't be me or you. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of these post-type hitters. Since we did go a little long on the transactions, we're going to split this up into two parts. So we'll do transactions and then the second half of these uh, next week. Let's get into some of these. Guys, you know, we talk about this a lot. So if you've listened to us, you, you've heard us say this. The fantasy community is, is really not friendly to prospects who don't pop immediately. They, they forget them so quickly uh, it, it's kind of stunning, to be honest, because you hear these folks uh, prop these guys up when they haven't done anything as you know they project all their hopes and dreams onto them. The second they come up, have a little struggle, it's like, get this garbage guy out of here. Uh, the first guy wasn't quite as bad as that, but I do think he is being a little bit hidden because the outfield is a little bit clustered where he is, and that's Tyler O'Neill in St. Louis. He actually put up a, a perfectly fine uh, 803 OPS with nine homers and 142 plate appearances, but he's still off the radar right now, and I think he makes for an intriguing gamble, uh, particularly like when he said, they probably have a move or, or two left. We'll see what they do. I don't know if they can clear a full spot for him to start the season, but he looks like somebody who could be a primary fourth outfielder. And then if anybody gets injured, Dexter Fowler doesn't have the best health track record, um, then maybe he could slide in. What do you think of Tyler O'Neill in St. Louis? I, I really like Tyler O'Neill. And uh, like you said, it, it's just a complicated situation uh, that could clear itself up because Dexter Fowler sucks. Um, and if they do trade Jose Martinez, then uh o'neill will uh be on the major league roster and probably getting a fair amount of playing time dude has power uh the problem is just there's a ton of swing and miss to his game i think he mm-hmm. struck out around like 40 percent of the time last yeah. season <laughs> so it's, it's severe yes it, it uh and he didn't show the patience at the plate uh in 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 terms of being able to take a walk 40% K, 5% walk. Yeah, yeah but he's, he's shown double-digit walk rates in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the last few seasons. So I think he'll, you know, he's gotten the butterflies out. He's had that first taste to the majors. I think when he gets a second taste, he'll be more successful. And in spite of having that 40% K rate uh, in swinging outside the zone a ton, he still had a two, uh, 254 average. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when he makes contact, he hits the ball hard. Uh, and the, the, those balls... He's a hoss. Yeah, those balls, you know, fly and, and miss gloves and uh, hit the wall and or go over the wall. So, uh, you know, it, I think he could be a good Randall Grichuk. I like that. Pa- yeah, um, that, that's actually a really good Maybe a little bit more speed because I think yes. people don't realize he's actually faster than... Uh, maybe the game played last year for him. So, uh, and he's a pretty decent defender too. So I think uh, once the Cardinals kind of get over the Dexter Fowler experiment, they're obviously a team with that Goldschmidt trade and the Bryce Harper rumors that wants to compete now. They're not going to let Fowler suck it 
uh, for them. They'll they'll eat that money and put him on the bench. Yeah, they need to figure something out there if he's not doing well. Uh, Tyrone Neal, premium speed based on sprint speed last year. So uh, obviously speed is something that can uh, be volatile, but you don't really fake your way to that uh, at, at a 29.5 uh, feet per second. That's actually wow. just below Literally, literally a tick below Ronald Acuna, who's at twenty nine point six, yeah, and we all know how fast he is. I hadn't so. looked at that, but it, it's not surprising watching him. Yeah, don't sleep on that speed. And like I said, built like a hoss as well. Uh, that's Tyler O'Neill. So you know, we kind of started at the high end there. It starts to get a little bit uh, uglier here. We're gonna have to bet on like a Manuel Margot. This time last year, Manuel Margot was somebody that fantasy folks were really interested in. We were projecting those those hopes and dreams on, and it didn't come to fruition. And again, this also this section could have also been called prospect growth isn't linear. Um, we'll go with post hype instead. He had 13 homers, 17 steals in 126 games uh, in 2017. We figure, you know what? For me, I was saying I'll take the same pop. I, I I wasn't even really in on a on a big power boost, but I thought the steals could damn near double. To be honest, I, I thought he could push 30 plus. And uh, instead, he went 11 for 21 on the bases and hit eight homers. And he did all that in 10, just 10 fewer plate appearances than he had the year before. So the age 23 season for Margot wasn't all that great. Um, but I also don't find it to be something that's completely horrendous. It was, uh, you know, the proverbial sophomore slump. I still think that there's there's plenty of upside here to go for. I think he should get a, a real shot in San Diego this year. And you talk about the sprint speed aspect, he's at 29.4. So he's just behind Tyrone Neal. The speed is there. The decision-making needs to improve 100% because 11 for 21 is is god-awful. It's like, don't ever run again. I don't care how fast you are. So he needs to be sharper on the bases. But I still think Manny Margot can be a 15-25 a, a next year, um, which is really nice, even if he only hits, say, 250. I really... I, I was kind of... Uh, t- uh, on the fence on Manny Margot. I, I got him in, uh, I think, one league last year, uh, and, you know, it was obviously disappointing. There was a huge amount of helium in draft season where he just kept going up and up and up, and finally I kind of jumped off. But the exact, like you said, like this, <laughs> when someone disappoints in fantasy, uh, especially a young player who doesn't have a track record of, oh, well, he'll bounce back, uh, People just completely forget about him, and people are completely sleeping on Manny Margot. This is a dude who has got elite speed uh, in spite of struggling last year. He only struck out 17% of the time. Like It's yeah, that, not like he's up there hacking away. Like, in, no, we take that. He had almost a 40% hard contact percentage last year, so he's hitting the ball hard. Uh, you know, He needs to stop trying to be Christian Yelich a little bit and maybe elevate the ball and stop hitting 43% ground balls. Because not everybody is Christian Yelich, um, and he definitely is not. But like, I think this is a guy that, while uh, you know, San Diego's outfield is a bit crowded, so there is some downside. Uh, he's got a really, really high ceiling. Like, would it, it would not surprise me if he went fifteen forty next year. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy I want, like outside of the top two hundred picks. It, it's insane that he's going that late. He uh, again, people have forgotten about Manny Margot. He's basically free, and so. I'm going to be in on that. I agree with you. The price got a little bit out of hand there. Um, and so despite 
kind of propping him up in the winter. I didn't end up with as many shares as I thought, so I kind of avoided one there. Despite uh, despite being positive on the on the speed aspect there, I just also don't really reach for speed, so that's probably why I was able to uh, tap the brakes with with Margot. But there are skills here to to like, and you know, going to be age twenty four. There is some crowding there, but he should get a real look. And uh, and if things do start to pan out closer to 2017 or better, then Manny Margot is going to be near the top of the lineup as well, I would believe. So we'll see what happens. He had 17% infield fly ball rate last year. I mean, that, that's good I don't regrets. think that's going to repeat. <laughs> I, I think that I think that will improve. Uh, Ross Resource has French Cordero slotted in as a starter right now. I don't believe that. I think it'll be Renfro, Margot, and Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, but we will see how that how that plays out. And obviously, if he does come into the season not looking to be projected as a starter and more of a fourth outfielder, the price will come down, and then you can invest based on that. But I think he'll be more of a starter, and so Manuel Margot is someone that I'm keeping a very close eye on. All right, next up is Kyle Tucker. Uh, for the Houston Astros, he's not currently slotted in anywhere uh, because they still got Tony Kemp out there. I don't really see that. I think it's time to let Kyle Tucker kind of uh, sink or swim, at least for an extended period. And then if it doesn't work out, maybe make a midseason trade or something or, or go back to Kemp if you really want. But uh, I don't think it will flop, to be honest. I really like Kyle Tucker. But he had 72 plate appearances last year. Year and he was wretched. It was a like 25% W or 25 WRC plus something awful like that because uh, he only hit 141, 236, 203. In, in the minors, he put up his second straight 2020 season. This time at Triple A, and he only needed 100 games to do it. 332, 400, 590 on, on the triple slash. There, I mean, you can talk about how the minor league numbers can be inflated and all that, and, and PCL this, that, and the other. It doesn't really matter how you slice it. That's a fantastic season uh, down to the fact that it was a 155 WRC plus and he was 21. So it wasn't some, uh, you know, fully matured 24, 25 year old beating the league up. It was a 21 year old absolutely wrecking shop on the uh, on the AAA league there. So I really like what Kyle Tucker's got as far as far as the profile goes. I do believe 2020 is something that's even possible this season. Uh, if he got the latitude of playing time, I don't think you're going to be seeing that sort of same slash line, 332, 400, 590. But if it's like, I don't know, let's say it 255, is. 325, oh, see, I'm 440. Even, I think you can do better than that. I was looking at I like think you can too, but I'm saying even that over 600 plate appearances, I think nets a 2020. Yeah. For sure. So it's, it's it's the playing time piece for me with Tucker, and I think he deserves that opportunity. Uh, even if he's batting lower in the order at bottom third, I'm okay with it. Tucker's somebody I'm already nabbing in a couple leagues, and I'm going to continue to target here because even if the price goes up, I don't see a I, I don't really see a spot where it gets obscene outside of maybe late March. If he's angled, if he has a big spring and Tucker is angled for a starting spot, that's when the draft type would really kick into high gear and we'd mostly be done with drafts. But right now he's outside the top 200 and I'm taking him all day there. What do you think about Kyle Tucker in Houston? Uh, yeah, outside the top 200, I'm going to have a lot of shares of Kyle Tucker. Uh, and like I said, even if the draft price goes up, I'm probably going to have a lot of shares. You know, the 28-game the sample was wretched. You know, we'll, we'll be honest. Like, uh, I don't know if you said the triple slash or not. 141, 236, 203 so gross. Uh, triple slash in, in 72 plate appearances. Uh, there, In spite of that, if you look at some of the things, there are things to be 
uh, actually kind of encouraged about uh, with that triple slash and what he did in the in the in the major league stint that was so ugly. One, you look at his BABIP; it was 176. Dude got unlucky um, for but, sure. And in spite of really struggling to you know turn some of those uh, at bats into actual hits, uh, he was still walking. He wasn't pressing. He still walked eight eight percent of the time. He only struck out eighteen percent of the time. He wasn't swinging outside the zone. He had a twenty five percent O swing percentage. Uh, was making pretty good contact. Eighty six percent inside of the zone. Seventy uh, almost seventy nine percent out or uh, uh, overall uh, contact percentage. These are, are good skills, and in spite of bad results, because it was such a small sample, I think if they had let him stay up, he would have turned out uh, turned it on and been a stud. And I think when he does get a full-time shot, which I assume will happen early on in the year, he may not start the uh, start with the team. They may send him down AAA uh, to start the year if he doesn't make the roster, especially if they make some more make some sort of additions to this uh, roster. Uh, but he's going to be a guy on a lot of my fantasy rosters. Yep. Yep, we're, we're we're big on Kyle Tucker. I think we'll be fighting for him, and uh, I I think it's it's rightful to do so because that's the, this is the kind of guy you can take even at like a 160 to 175 range um, where you know you're putting some gamble out there, but it's it's a worthy gamble in my opinion. You know Austin Meadows is in there. Um, people still love Gregory, or I mean Byron Buxton. He's in there. I like Gregory Blanco too, but I I worry about the health this year. Oh, but yeah. that's like. That's like a gamble area. Even in the 160s, you got Brandon Nimmo and Harrison Bader, and I like both of them. But I think I'd rather have Kyle Tucker at a cheaper price than those two in the in the 160s. So uh, we'll be we'll be going for him big time. Kyle Tucker in Houston. Let's move over to Oakland and talk about Franklin Barreto. He was a big time prospect for sure. Um, he hasn't really shown anything yet either. And I think that the market has fully moved off of him. Because I don't know that there was a ton of hype coming in. We now have just 151 plate appearances spread out over the last two years of a 215, 253, 424. So you see a little bit of the punch there, but not much else. Um, I think he had speed coming up. Um, we haven't seen it at game. the major league level. So it's not that's one of those <laughs> Exactly. That's one of those things that takes time to really develop, even when you are getting the playing time initially. So the fact that he hasn't really shown it, I'm not too worried. He's not a blazer. He's not all the way up with the, the O'Neills. And, um, I forget who else I mentioned that was up there. He's not Margo. with those guys. But he's he's firmly he's fine. He's at uh, 28.4, which puts him 110 on this list. And there's a billion ties. So if you were saying like the the you know 38th highest when you account for ties, that'd be some, it'd be something like that. Maybe not that high, but even if it was like the 57th highest. The bottom line is he has some speed to his game. Franklin Barreto, can he come to fruition here and and do some things out in Oakland? Are they going to give him the leash to try to uh, pan out on that prospect status? Was he not? Is he not the uh, the lone hope here in the Josh Donaldson deal at this point? I think he is, and because they DFA'd Kendall Graveman or non-tendered him. Yeah, uh, if uh, as long as they don't go back out and uh, and uh, sign what's his face, Ted Lowry. Yeah, uh, he's going to be the everyday second baseman, and uh, he has quite a bit of upside. Like people forget that this is a guy who I think most people within baseball and the fantasy industry considered a top 10 prospect. Uh, and we're just going to give up on him because he's been buried, uh, you know, uh, on the depth chart there. I- I'm not ready to give up on him. He- he's shown the ability to hit for pop. I like when I see uh, in his swing, uh, 
you know, I, I was a little concerned in, in the short sample last year that he wasn't patient at all. But I think that, again, that could be jitters. That could be learning how to hit at the major league level. I think he'll be fine. I think he is a guy that, with full-time playing time, could be Marcus Simeon, good Marcus Simeon-ish. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, a guy who could hit 20 home runs, steal double-digit bases. You know, with an average, it's not going to hurt you. So 2010, 245, 250. Sure. Uh, and there's no cost associated with him. And second base drops yeah, free. off. Barreto's absolutely free. And so, uh, like you said, if they don't go out and re-sign Jed Lowry or, or dip into the market, because second base is actually a plentiful market, uh, in the free agent for free agents right now, if they just say, you know what, we're going to roll with what we got um, and, and let Barreto kind of do his thing, then yeah, I, I, I can see that. I like that Simeon comp for sure. And we'll see if he can kind of... Uh, uh, exceed that as well. If we get the swing and miss back in check, it's been a little bit high uh, the last couple of years at AAA. And of course, in his major league samples as well, after not really being an issue um, in the mid to low minors. And so that's definitely something that's new. I don't mind some swing and miss, but I need the punch to be there. And uh, I'd really like it below forty uh, percent, which is what he's got in those one hundred and fifty-one plate. It's, it's very Tyler O'Neill esque at forty-one percent strikeouts and four percent walks for Frank Franklin Barreto. But like we said, no cost. It is. It, I mean, it's free. Like this is not a cost, a pick that'll hurt you. So if you take the spec and he completely flops, it doesn't matter. So, uh, all right, that's Franklin Barreto. Actually, I didn't even do this on purpose, but we are going hard on the uh, NL West. By the way, we're going to split this up. I don't know if I already mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, you did. Okay. Uh, we'll actually do uh, him and his teammate, though. So I, on the spreadsheet, I didn't have that, but we'll bump that up to uh, Nomar Mazzara and Willie Calhoun because they're, they're interesting because Mazzara does have a cost associated, even though he is a little bit in that post-hype window. Uh, he's, a, he's a top like 160 sort of pick. Uh, meanwhile, Calhoun was the, the the quintessential guy like this where he came up, he had expectations, he didn't do anything, and now he's been a bit forgotten. And so let's talk about both of them. Let's start with Mazzara because he kind of is what he is. Like we know uh, in terms of uh, the expectations, he's a, literally 20 on the dot homers the last three years. But this year it was in 128 games after 145 and 148 the two years before that. So the power actually went up a bit. I still believe in Nomar Mazar. He's going to be 24 next year. I still see, you know, I, RBIs are not like a measure of talent, but it'll be in the middle of the order. So I still see 3,100 with like a 270. And uh, I like Nomar Mazara, so I'm still I'm still keep, I'm probably part of keeping that draft price up at 156 ADP right now. Um, how do you feel about Nomar Mazara? He has three full seasons under his belt, and he's only going to be 24. Oh, it, this one's hard for me because it's he was really great in the first half. Like he was he was doing what you said. He was going to do the 30 300, you know, with a 270 average. Uh, and then got hurt, and he and was awful. Uh, and so, I th- th- he didn't get surgery on the on the thumb injury that that really helped derail him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made some minor improvements against left-handed pitching, which is a good sign. A young guy making improvements. Uh, the profile, though, is uh, it, it's not super sexy. Like he doesn't steal bases. Uh, kind of that, which kind of caps. You know some of the upside, and if no he, doubt if he regresses against lefties again, he, you could see him platoon. Uh, I, 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 what's his price right now? 
Uh, 156 on average. I think that's fair. Like I, yeah, I, 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 I'm I not get behind that. I don't think that uh, it is that is egregious one way or another. I think that's probably where he should be going in leagues where he drops lower than that. I'll probably have a share or two, but uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think he's a steal. At, yeah, at he's definitely spot. not a steal. You are paying because you have gotten kind of a foundation of like a solid 20 homer hitter to, to be like a real breakout, to really have that star turn that, that I, I think is in there and possible. He would really need to carry on what he did through the first three months, which was not only the 3,100 pace, but with a 282 average. And so I went conservative on a 270 because uh, I do think that that's possible too. But uh, average is what's really going to get him to the next level if he's actually going to have a superstar turn because like you said, there is no speed to speak of and the counting categories will be muted because i don't think that texas team is going to be that great so uh we'll see what Noah mazar is able, able to do i do still like him i'm sticking with him um i'm not going to have all the shares in the world but i'll have m- more than one i, I feel confident in that because i do f- think there'll be draft rooms where i can get him in that 175 180 range and that's where i'm definitely pouncing now let's talk about calhoun who, uh, again, he, he's more Beretto-ish where uh, it's see you later and people are not really messing with him. He's got a 322 ADP right now. Uh, he's been forgotten because he didn't do anything last year. I can't remember how high it got, but I remember it being absurd yeah, that his ADP got way too high. <laughs> I was in, man. I, I, I thought this guy, I thought the stick was was the thing, man. You know, he's still in a guy in search of a defensive position, but I thought we are going to get, you know, 25 homers and a 275 average out of the gate here with the potential for more, and it just did not happen. Uh, He only hit 222 in his 108 uh, plate appearances with just a couple homers. He went back down to the minors. He did still go 294, 351, but then just a 431 slug, which resulted in just nine homers in 470 plate appearances. So the power fell off uh and that was a little bit concerning for willie calhoun how do you feel about him he's again also only going to be 24 uh but not with the same sort of track record as mazara is he somebody you'll buy back in on at the uh essentially free cost yes because i i believe in that offensive profile i i think he is uh got a special bat i think he's a 30 home run bat uh at the major league level with a good average uh you know he he his biggest issue is he has no defensive position and yes. that is going to plague him in uh, Texas for a while. You almost wish it was hard because you, you wish that he would be traded away from the Dodgers. So he would get everyday playing time. And now he needs to be traded away from Texas because they have guys that are going to need to DH and that's going to yep. hurt him. You know, it's a bummer. cannot play full time in the outfield. Not day, not at 36 years old, day in day out. Gallo's gonna need uh, days where he's gonna uh, hit uh, either first base or DH, and then Ronald Guzman will move. Uh, it's it's that's that's the unfortunate part is that uh, he went to the he, wrong ALT. Yeah, if you know the Rays need to trade for him. <laughs> like, go, Ooh, go, yeah, go go there, get there, him. There's their DH. Go uh, go get him, Jason. Yeah, we'll make know, that happen. Years of control, cheap, uh, and. Don't buy in. I don't buy in too much to the the, the power drop off at AAA. Uh, he was very outspoken and very angry about being uh, demoted and not or not even making the opening day roster. Correct. Uh, he got in trouble. I believe suspended from the team for a little bit in AAA because he uh, was kind of uh, just effing around and, and not taking things seriously because his talent level is way above the league and he shouldn't been on a minor league 
roster. And that happens sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to quantify and we don't always know, but that does happen. And so we see that this is this is one of many reasons, but it's part of the reasons why we say don't get too hyped in one way or the other on minor league numbers because so many factors go are going in. You just don't know where everything's at. I believe Gary Sanchez had some of that situation where he felt he was in AAA a little bit too long. Of course, as after we see his defense, we realize that that was actually a fair you know how sometimes guys get kept down for their defense? Like, come on, just bring them up. Well, Gary Sanchez, it was legit. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So Calhoun, uh, I will buy back in as well. Just too cheap not to take a shot on this bat. And he should come in at least on the roster as the uh, front part of the DH role at the very least. Spot him out in left field every once in a while. Uh, I don't really think he's going to get – he came up as a second baseman. That's He's not really good there. And I don't think he's going to really push Rugnet Odor off because – Odor's going into his age 25 season. He's he's just an everyday guy. Yeah, and they're he, gonna he buy it can't out play second base. He just, yeah, no, he just can't. So uh, that's Willie Calhoun. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty much buying in on, on a lot of this group here. We'll talk about uh, guys we don't buy in next week. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a bunch of guys in the in the next half that we're not uh, quite as keen on. And we'll talk about them next them. week. Hopefully with, some, uh, hopefully with some transactions to go with it. And I think Nick and I will have a fireside next week. So it's been been a little light here, but uh, we're making sure minimum of one a week. I don't know if you and Jason are going this week, but uh, I think we will. I gotta, okay, perfect. So then you guys will have another one on Sunday, and I got to get myself well because the the voice the voice is definitely going right now. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here. And Justin, I will talk to you next week. Take it easy.